0: Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us why we are to arm ourselves with the double-edged sword of God's Word.
1: You know God's will, I know God's will, and then he puts us in the laboratory of life and he says, now let's see how you do. And all of a sudden these things start tugging on us, pulling on us, and then God says, now do remember my Word, focus on my Word, give yourself to my Word, and he's always there by the Spirit of God to remind us over and over, my Word, my Word, my Word.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Sin has an effect of blinding our eyes to the ways of God, and as we'll see with the example of Balaam, it makes no difference whether you're a prophet or not, how the enticements of the world provide an effective distraction off the narrow path. Pastor Xavier warns of how costly such detours can be on today's Simple Truths.
1: There are true prophets as well as false prophets that are recorded within Scripture. And among those, there is one particular prophet that stands out, and we've come across him now, Balaam the prophet. It seems that on one hand, he knows God, he has access to God, and on the other hand, as we will see, he is one who also is open to familiar spirits. In chapter 22, verses 1 through 3, he is sought out by King Balak because he feared Israel. The children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. And now Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Israel was at the back door the plains of Moab across from Jericho. Now you can imagine, they have been hearing about the reputation since the Exodus. And every one of the people in the land are fearing, one by one, they are going to be taken. And Israel was feared by him because of what they had done to the Amorites. They were a mighty people, they were people of war. And yet they were sweeping through the land and wiping them out. And I can imagine these individuals just looking and, and watching the movement of the people of God and watching them just take over the land and um, it's a fearful thing. Notice secondly that he was sought out by an allegiance of Moab and media in verse four. So Moab said to the elders of Media, "Now this company will lick up." All that is around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. And so, notice the Moabites were descendants of Lot, a type of the flesh. The Midianites, they were also descendants of Ishmael. Ishmael was a product of the flesh, not a product of promise. And notice how these two, a work of the flesh, ended up being the enemies of God and the things of God. The message to the Midianites was loud and clear. They would not stand a chance against Israel as an ox licks up the dust, so he would do to them. They were freaked out. He put fear in their hearts. He was sought out to curse the children of Israel, verses 6 and 7 of 22. Therefore, please come at once. Curse the people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and to drive them out of the land. For I know whom you bless, you bless, and whoever you curse, you curse. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. Notice his reputation had preceded him. He had a reputation. He was known. Verses 17 and 18 of 22. For I will certainly honor you greatly, Balak told Balaam. And I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come and curse this people for me. And Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord thy God, my God to do less or more. But notice chapter 22, verse 12 and 13. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them, for... You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. God denied him from going the first time. God called Balaam to obey him. That was the message to Balaam. You obey me. Now, this man is being enticed, dangling all this money before him. Men of prominence have come. Impressive. They came for me? What a setup. Notice in verses 19 and 20. Now therefore, this is the second time. The second party's come. Please, you also stay here tonight, he tells the servants, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Bilaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. Notice, God not only denied him from going the first time in verse 12 and 13, but here now, God describes the conditions on which he was to go. Only if they came and called him. Don't miss that. Here in verse 35, the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the man, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with them and the prince of Balaam. Now God has limited him. He's put the boundaries only my words. Notice the progression. He said no to him the first time. Secondly, he described the condition only go if they call you the second time. And then, here at the end, after he almost takes his head off, he defines the boundaries only the words that God gives him. Speak only my words. What was God seeking? He was seeking obedience. That's why God is so specific on what his will is, because he's seeking obedience. But remember, God is behind His will and He knows the end from the beginning and He knows what He's doing. I don't know. I always have the immediate present in mind. The message to Balaam was very clear, both from Balak and from God. One was the king upon the earth. The other one was the king of heaven. You would think that the choice would be easy to obey from an intellectual perspective. But Balaam lived in reality where you and I live in. And we live in tension, don't we? You know God's will. I know God's will. And then he puts us in the laboratory of life and he says, now let's see how you do. I'm going to give you all kinds of opportunities. All kinds of tests. And all of a sudden these things start tugging on us, pulling on us. Emotions, feelings, consequences, regrets, whatever it may be. And then God says, now... Do remember my word? Focus on my word. Center on my word. Give yourself to my word. Let God's word have free course in your heart and your mind. And he's always there by the Spirit of God to remind us over and over his word. My word, my word, my word. The message of Balaam leads us to the mistake of Balaam. In chapter 22, verses 21 through 22, his first mistake was he tempted himself by putting himself in the predicament. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princess of Moab. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him, and he was riding his donkey, and his two servants were with him. He tempted himself by putting himself in the predicament. God gave him the condition he was to go only if they called him. We would have to assume that he left before they called him. Jumped the gun. Why? Because that carrot was being hung in front of his nose. The pressure. The pressure of temptation. But notice that he put himself there. God told him, don't go. God declared His way was contrary to His own. Verse 32. And the angel of the Lord said to Him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you, because your way is perverse. The word is contrary before Me. And so He left before they called Him, and He went in the wrong attitude. It was to do contrary to the will of God. And I want you to notice that he still had the nerve to seek God. The first mistake of Balaam, he tempted himself and put himself in that predicament. Have you been there? God's told you no, and here you go. You think you're in control. You think you can handle it. The second mistake was he prostituted his gift of prophecy. In verse 7 of chapter 22, we already saw that they brought a diviner's fee. His incentive was money. In verse 18, he already named it. Oh, I can't go. He says, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, he just named his price. He probably, you know, he wanted the money. The madness of the prophet was rebuked by his donkey in his attempt to restrain him, 2 Peter 2.16 says. You have the whole scenario there, those three times, and he beats him, beats him, then he ends up talking to him. Now, I don't know about you, but if a donkey talked to me, I think I'd get the message. But it goes to show you the madness. You say, oh, but that, you know, don't lose sight of it. Put yourself in this position. This is a real story. This is not a make-believe story. This man was so caught up in the gain that even though God almost took his head off, he still continued down the path of his sin. He was a slave. He was out of control. He tried to restrain the madness of the prophet. You have known people. You have seen. You look at their lives They say, why in the world? Why? Turn. And they just keep on going. Whatever that character that's being way before your eyes, maybe another woman, another man, maybe money, maybe pl- whatever it may be, you be careful. Because once you get out so far, that undertow gets you, and you cannot get out. You cannot let go. It will take you. This is known as the way of Balaam, according to Peter. The way of Balaam. He prostituted his gift of prophecy. Are you prostituting your Christianity? The warning is for us. Not for the non-believer. For the believer. The way of Balaam. Money. Are you selling out your Christianity for your occupation? For your education? For that new house? For the car? There's nothing wrong with those things. But if they get in the way of my relationship to God, then I am headed down the wrong path. He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. His third mistake, he attempted to circumvent the will of God for Israel. Chapter 24, verse 1. Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go out at other times to seek in sorcery, but he set his face towards the wilderness. He attempted to circumvent the will of God for Israel. The source of his power was sorcery except for this last time. Knowing that his head was almost taken off, he went and he still sought through sorcery. Two times. This last time he did not. He knew God's will, and he kept trying to do contrary to God's will. He knew it. The motive, again, is declared to be for profit. Jude 11. For profit. The act is equal to the rebellion of Cain and Korah, who sought to do their own will after knowing God's will. That's the context. After knowing God's will, he still wants to do his will. This is known as the heir of Balaam, according to Jude. The heir of Balaam is knowing the will of God. You do contrary to the will of God. The way of Balaam is a way of profit, wages, money. But the heir is doing contrary to the will that you know. That's heir. The fourth mistake of Balaam is that he counseled Balak on how to defeat Israel. He knew he couldn't curse Israel, but he had a lot of information about God and the people of God that would be of great value in the hands of those who hated God. The advice was to introduce a manner of worship of the Midianites, eating things sacrificed to idols and sexual immorality which is recorded in Revelations 2.14, the doctrine of Balaam. Balaam says, listen, Balak, I cannot change God's word. But, you know, God is holy, and His people have to be holy, or if they're not, and sin enters in, then He turns on them Himself. So take your young virgins and send them down into the camp, And begin to entice them and then ask them if they want to observe and join in their worship. And give them part of the feast so they eat and they drink and then show them how you worship your gods with sexual rights. That's all you have to do. God will do the rest. Satan is so clever. He knows he can't do anything against God, but he lures there with sin to your life and mind. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at that. Hey, you can get away with, hey, this. you got to be careful. And he uses many people to try to suck you in. Circumstances, situations. It's a trap. The account is recorded in chapter 25 for us. Verses 1 and 2, the appeal was to their sensual appetites. Then Israel remained in the acacia groves, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. And they invited the people to the sacrifice of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. The bow down is a worship, and adoration, and submission. The consequences were executed by God and man. Verses 3 and 5, The Lord told Moses to hang the elders who were a part of it. And then in verse 9, God wiped out 24,000. Both God executed judgment, and God told man to execute judgment. Twofold. The temptation was so blinding that the consequences did not stop some, even though they saw the judgment. Look at verse 6. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren, the Midianite woman, In the sight of Moses and the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, now when Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he arose from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. Here it is, the scenario. The camp is being wiped out. 24,000 are being slain. And this guy comes in with this babe right in front of Moses. They're weeping. And he trucks in the tent. And he goes in to do his thing. You see, when you're caught up in your sin, the last thing on your mind is God. You're blinded by your sin. And so am I. The number of the slain was great, 24,000 in verse 9. This is known as the doctrine of Balaam according to the message of John the Beloved to the church of Pergamus. What a warning. I have one thing against you. You have the doctrine of Balaam to those who teach to sacrifice the idols and commit fornication. You always find those two together, idolatry and fornication, sexual sin, because it's a form of idolatry. That one person thinks the other person is worth it and therefore they give themselves in sacrifice to that person. That's called idolatry. You submit yourself sexually for that person to conquer you. Why? Because you worship them. Idolatry, fornication. The two run parallel. You never find them alone. The fifth mistake of Balaam is that he thought he could get away with his sin. Isn't that funny? The mind and will of God was known to him. Chapter 22, verse 12. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. He knew the will of God, but he thought he could get away with his sin. Secondly, the prophecies confirmed the will of God. Look at 23.8. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Even in his prophetic utterance, God was reminding him. You can't do it. Look at verse 19 and 20. God is not a man that he shall lie, nor the Son of Man shall repent. Has he not said it, will he not do it? Or has he not spoken it, will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. 24-9. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who will arouse him? Speaking of Israel, his prophecies confirmed and reminded him that he could not thwart the purposes of God, yet he thought he could get away with his sin. Notice also the repentance and the life desire of Balaam was after the model of the world. Look at verse 34 of chapter 22. Balaam said to the angel, just before he wiped him out, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood on the way against me. His repentance is of the world. It's not sincere. He repented because he got busted. He regretted the consequences. 2 Corinthians 7.10 You cry, you weep. Oh, how could I? How could I have been so dumb? This and that. And then you cry, and after a while, you write back to it again. The repentance of the world. But not only his repentance was of the model of the world, but also his desire. For look at his desire in verse 10 of chapter 23. 23.10. He's prophesying, let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. He's talking about Israel. He wanted to die like a righteous man. He wanted to end up like Israel blessed, but he wanted to live for himself. But the counsel of Balaam became his own destruction. In chapter 31, Verses 1 and 2, the Lord told Moses to take vengeance upon the children of, uh, for the children of Israel on the Midianites after they were gathered to the people because of the women. Verses 1 and 2. And so the Midianites were judged by God. But also in verse 8 of 31, the prophet Balaam was judged by God. It says they killed the king of Midianite with the rest of those who were killed, many, evi, Recham, Zor, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian, Balaam, the son of Beor, they also kill with the sword. Why? Look at verse 16. They took some women, and, God, and Moses said, take them, you know, don't save them, kill them. They're the ones that stumbled the children of Israel, so keep only those who have not known a man sexually, and the rest who are not virgins, you kill them. And he says, Through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. He tells why because Balaam's counsel. The mistake of Balaam. The mistake of Balaam. Let me leave you some practical application. The message to Balaam's of the present and the future. Number one, the act of compromise rather than complete obedience will place you on the path of subtle and sure destruction. Guaranteed. Remember Saul, he compromised. It cost him his kingdom. It cost him his life. Remember Samson? It cost him his life. Secondly, the reputation of man is worthless if character is lacking. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 5 through 7 that character is more important than reputation, like the Pharisees and the scribes. But thirdly, the love of money brings many sorrows and much destruction. What will a man gain or profit if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, the Scriptures declare in Matthew 16, 26. But then fourthly, the attempt to circumvent God's will is to fight against God. Did not Jesus say the gates of hell will not prevail against him? The treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. How can I think to thwart the purposes of Him? It's foolish. But fifth and last, the thought of getting away with sin is a fatal mistake. There seems to be a way that is right to a man, but the way thereof is a way of destruction, Proverbs fourteen twelve. The promise is that man's sin will find him out. Where is that scripture found? Numbers 32, 23 your sin will find you out. You sow to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. You sow to the spirit, you will reap to the spirit. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. What lessons for us? Balaam the prophet. The man Balaam, he chose to exercise his own will contrary to God's. The message to Balaam, he knew the mind of God and yet he ignored it. The mistake of Balaam, he thought he could get away with his sin. Oh, may we learn from Balaam as we come to the same place.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese has been providing a list of five practical applications from the example of the prophet Balaam as we wrap up our time for today. Now just before we close, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's study, simply titled Balaam the Prophet, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply Balaam the Prophet, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485.